purpose. Um, our scripture reading is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of this burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle and tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's bow our heads in prayer, asking God to illuminate his word to us. Father, we once again ask that the light bringer, that is in this text, Father, will bring fresh light to us, light to understand his loveliness and his purposes, his accomplishments. Father, today may we see Jesus together even more clearly, more perceptively, and we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, growing up, I occasionally, <laughs> not that often, but I occasionally watched a CBS TV show with my parents. That show was called Hee Haw. Some of you may remember. For those of you younger, too young, uh, look it up. <laughs> Got a lot of ways that you could you could find it. Um, it was hosted by none other than Roy Clark on his banjo and Buck Owens with his guitar. And they had this silly little skit they would do quite often. And uh, there would be three of them. Somebody else would join in and they would be in their basically uh, overalls and, uh, you know, uh, with straw hats and, you know, kind of very country kind of a, of a, of a situation uh, anyway. But they had this song that went like this. 
gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. All right. I don't think I'll be auditioning for Hee Haw. Uh, but nonetheless, um, that's basically that gloom, despair, agony on me. That's what the people of Judah and Jerusalem were experienced in Isaiah's day as they were feeling the full brunt and force of God's judgment on them because of their sins. Listen to Isaiah 8, just one ver uh, chapter back. They, uh, Isaiah 8, 21 through 22. They will pass through the land greatly distressed. This is the status, this, the circumstance that God's people would find themselves in judgment. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. That's cataclysmic judgment language. Saying what would happen to God's people because of their sin. Those circumstances of Assyrian darkness. That's where the pressure was coming from the north. And that Assyrian darkness and domination provided the backdrop for today's scripture. This is what was happening. But something else was going on. According to Isaiah, things are not going to stay that way. The gloom and dark and agony and depression, all of that is going to hold for a while, but at some point, the tide is going to turn. A day is coming when their fortunes are going to change for the far, far better. Listen to the, the first verse of chapter 9. It's not in your, in your scripture reading, but I'll read it to you. find it. <laughs> there we go. Huh? No? I, 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 must, uh, must not, I must have left that out myself. Um, but the picture is basically this. This is, this is the summation of what, the, of what Isaiah 9-1 says. The northern areas of, in Judah, or in Samaria, were Nebulon, uh, excuse me, Naphtali and Zebulun. And they had been under the bloody boot of Assyria in the invasion of 732. And yet God says they are going to one day 
experience the fulfillment of the promise of Zebulun and Naphtali, of them being the place from where the Messiah would come. From that area, Messiah in the northern, around the Galilee, Sea of Galilee, that area of Nebula and uh, uh, Naphtali and Zebulun. Nebulun, I can't, can't get that right, can't say that. Zebulun and Naphtali. Um, from that area, the Messiah would arise and wipe away the gloom and the darkness brought by this pagan domination of the Assyrians and, and others. Um, and it all centers on a child. Thus, what child is this? In verse 6 that we read. So what child is this? What child is this? Here's our three uh, points of, for the outline today. He is the one who will bring light. He is the one that will break oppression. And he is the one that will reign forever. Now, let's look at the bringer of light. That's who this child is. In scripture, light stands for many things. But certainly in that included is God's blessings, his presence, and his revelation. So light brings God's revelation to us. It, it opens our eyes of understanding. It brings God's nearness instead of his awayness or being far from us because of our sin. Light brings God's blessings. And the true light, the text is saying, one day would come and dispel this gloomy circumstance of the people of God that had been enshrouded and darkness and gloom but when did that happen that was the prophecy that Isaiah was saying in that time in the 700s BC but when was this promise for things getting better when was it going to happen well all you have to do is turn to Matthew chapter 4 verses 13 through 16. And here is that, it's pulled like that first verse that I couldn't find to read, is pulled out and put into reality in this text. Listen to Matthew 4, 13 through 16. And leaving Nazareth, talking about Jesus, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. In the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. When's this going to happen? In the coming of Jesus. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The way of the sea. The Via del Mare. Beyond Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, 
on them a light has dawned. So, this is the interpretive key to this whole entire passage. This is what shows the promise of the light both then, that's when the light first came, but also the promise of the light that will continue to come until the end of all things at his second coming. You see, Jesus is the light bringer. Remember, he called himself what? The light of the world. The light of the world. Now, we need to be very, very clear. It is only in his light that you and I see light. We're not lights by ourselves. You know, we go around learning to sing this little light of mine. Well, yeah, but begin. But is that light, where does its light come from? This is the light that we are called to be the light of the world. Jesus said, as my people, as my followers, you are called to be the light of the world. But that light that we have does not come from us. It ultimately comes because of our connection and our union with him. And so it's only in his light that we see light. Isaiah 8.20 says this, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. They're blind. They can't see. Only through the light bringer are we able to see and understand light. When we try to make our own light, (laughs) we get in a heap of trouble, folks. We get in a mess. If we try to think, oh, we we got this. We can do this. We got enough light. We can crank up the the voltage. And and, No. (laughs) We need to constantly be dependent upon the light of the world and the one who's called us and given us the privilege of being light bearers. But ours is not the primary light. It is the light that gets its strength from him and him alone. Now, secondly, who is this child? What child is this? He is the one who will break oppression. A lot of talk about oppression in our time, in our culture today. Listen again to verses 3 through 5 in our text. And you have multiplied the nation, and you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as, joy, as with joy at the harvest, as they were, are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. That oppression is going to be broken. As on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle and tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as for as fuel for the fire. So the coming the coming light 
brings a time of great joy that Isaiah depicts. But there are two metaphors that are now describing this oppression breaking. One, you notice it said in the day of Midian, that refers to, uh, get, goes back to the story of Gideon as one of the judges and his delivery of God's people. The victory was accomplished, though, how? By God's power in spite of Gideon's weakness. God wanted Gideon, nope, not too many men. He wanted to show that this victory would be his and his alone. God alone is the one that can break oppression. And so, in the eyes of the prophecy, God will send a deliverer to set his people free from all oppression. There's one of our hymns that says, uh, Oh Holy Night, I think, is, is the, the line, but all oppression shall cease. That is what this is ta- talking about here. The coming one will break the oppressive power that holds God's people. Now, ultimately, we talk a lot about oppression, but the kind of oppression that is being referred here is not political. It's not on which side of the aisle you vote. It is talking about an oppression far greater and far more dangerous and deep. And that is the oppression of your and my sinfulness. Our sin is the great thing that oppresses it. People run around, you're oppressing me, you're oppressing me, she's oppressing me. No, (laughs) that's, that's nothing. The real thing that's oppressing sinners like me and you is our guilt and our sin that holds us and keeps us captive. But Christ has promised. Jesus has come. This child has come to bring the end of the oppression that keeps us from the Father and from his favor and from his love. Now, thirdly, this one, this child, is one who will reign forever. Will reign forever. Listen again to verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The one who's bringing the light. And defeating oppression is not some latter-day Gideon. (laughs) He's a child. He's a child already foretold as our Emmanuel. He is God's gift for our predicament. He is God's great gift. And this child, did you notice, is given. It's a given child. A given child. And he has 
four names, not five. You say, what are you saying, Joe? What are you talking about? He has four names, four compound names, not five. I used to always mess that up. I'd always start out, let's see, wonderful, counselor, that's two, and go, and go forth. Well, come up with five. <laughs> it's not wonderful um, and then comma, counselor, as the next thing. It's wonderful counselor. Those two are put together. Wonderful plus counselor equals extraordinary wisdom. That's what this is talking about. This child will have and possess extraordinary wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says this, But those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So he's the wonderful counselor. He's, of course, as we've already seen and known, he's the mighty God. He will be the mighty God. This little baby, this child, will be the mighty God. This son will reign forever over the Davidic kingdom with justice righteousness, and peace. No earthly son of David, such as, say, Hezekiah or Josiah, ever could possibly live up to this grand description. It began with the first coming. It will end with the second coming. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24 and 25. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must, that's, it's not he will, maybe, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. A lot of people do not understand the implication of that. That's saying that he is going to get things one day. We're not going to recognize. If you went back 400 years and fast-forwarded here, you would be amazed at where we are. We don't know how long it's going to take. But our God is promised that his Messiah will reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. This child is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the ever Lasting Father, because he's in the Father and the Father is in him. And he is, of course, the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can bring peace. All of man's vaunted and arrogant attempts to bring peace. Remember the 
First World War. We'll, we're going, this is the war to end all wars. And what did it become? The bloodiest, most horrible war in human history up to that point. Then, then came Chamberlain's, we have peace in our time. How'd that work out? And even now, we're tottering on the edges of war. But the Prince of Peace, our mighty God, our wonderful Counselor, He one day will bring a true and lasting peace. In that last part of the passage, God is the one who guarantees this, that he will fulfill this promise. This is no ordinary ruler. This is the one who will carry the government upon his shoulders. It's folly to expect any other government Wherever it is, whenever it is, it is folly to expect that can give this world what it needs. The only one that can accomplish this kind of governance, this kind of peace-bringing, wise governance can only come from God. You know, you may have passions about things political. Most people do. <laughs> it's the, the best way to get into an argument uh, is just start talking politics with somebody. We are, are you very interested in getting politics right so that it, we'll have a better place to live in. But unfortunately, we keep thinking we can get blood out of a turnip. That we can get the peace, a lasting peace from sinful men and women who hold the powers and try to make policies. And so often they ultimately fail and they always will because the kind of peace that we that this world needs cannot be given by. Oh, there's a place for politics. There's a place for people to stand, if, they, if there just happen to be very few of them, as statesmen, to uphold and to try to do good for a nation or for a country. But ultimately, to think that we will get it right? Everybody always thinks it's, 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 it's all been bad in the past, but just the right people haven't done it yet. And if we can get them in power, everything's going to come up roses. No, it's not. You got the same problem with the generation before and the generation before. There is always going to be failure coming up short. Ultimately, 
we need to put our hope and our trust and our eyes set upon the one who is the Prince of Peace. The only one that can bring lasting peace. The one who is the mighty, wonderful counselor. The mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So, do you, like the old man Simeon, remember him? Do you recognize the consolation of Israel? Is Jesus, that's the child. Is Jesus the joy of your longing heart? You know, we sing that song. Is, is he? Is he mine? Is he yours? It's time to cast off because Jesus has come. Emmanuel has come. And one day he will come finally. But he's here now with us. And so today is a day of no longer anticipation, but of rejoicing. It is time to cast off our gloom and despair and agony and rejoice for the Lord has come. Everything's been changed. Do you know that? Do you understand that? You say, oh, I look out and see how horrible it is. Yes, but it, you do not understand how much has been changed and how much will be. And it will never be the same. He will have the victory and he will bring peace in his time. It's time to cast off all that gloom and despair and rejoice. I love how this is expressed in one of my favorite uh, hymns that we sing sometime here. Uh, and it's all my heart this night rejoices. This is the third verse. Listen to this. Dearest Lord, thee will I cherish. Though my breath fail in death, yet I shall not perish. But with thee abide forever. There on high in that joy which can vanish never. Come then, banish all your sadness. One and all come with songs of gladness. Love him who with love is glowing for you. Love him who with love is glowing for you. Can you believe that? The truth of that, the gospel good news of that, how can we not leap out of this place if we understood but a little of that? So, brothers and sisters, what child is this? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing.
haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, fill us with gladness. Lord, how could it be with our sinfulness that your heart would be glowing for us and not against us? Oh, Lord, what a what an amazing, amazing grace we have been given. And Father, in this season, as we've anticipated and built up, Lord, now, let the full joy of the season and what it brings as we remember and recall. Father, may we live and walk in this light. Let us be true little lights empowered by you father we ask that you would again thank you for the gift of this child of our of the christ child that has come and brings and promises an everlasting peace father we thank you that the government is on his shoulders father we and not ours we pray father and ask this blessing in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.